Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Yeah, today was the day one of the confirmation hearings. The Supreme Court has an open slot, and Amy Coney Barrett is well qualified for that. If you listen to some, others say that this is uh, terrible, worst person ever. You know, and it's just it's an interesting way to listen to the back and forth during the Supreme Court hearings today. Joining us to talk a little bit about it, his impressions from Harris Dahl Fisher and Young, friend of the show. Brad Young, how are you? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very well. And I'm wondering, is today an exciting day for you? Is it a non-exciting day for someone that pays attention to the Supreme Court as much as you do? What, what's your feeling? Well, well, today's like the trailer to an excellent movie. Okay? I mean, it, nothing really happens, but it kind of gets you excited for what's going to be happening very soon. Uh, because today there really wasn't anything other than members of the Senate Judiciary Committee pontificating on various issues. And and Amy Coney Barrett gave an opening statement, which I think was was excellent. It was uh, exactly uh, what I would say if I were in her position, except for the part about being a mother. And um, uh, but other than that, I mean, it was it was really a preview of what's to come during these uh, these hearings, these confirmation hearings. So the preview of, of what is to come, and what's your indication of what you think will happen based on what you've seen today? Well, what we saw today, and I kind of broke it down into three different areas of focus today, but we saw, and I watched most of the hearings today, had it on the background while I was working, and, uh, and really it, it kind of fell into three different categories. And the first category was Amy Coney Barrett herself kind of talking about the role of judges. And then the second area of focus from both the right and the left was how her confirmation may or may not impact Obamacare. And the third area was how her confirmation may or may not impact the idea of, of the constitutionality of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. When these are the things that they're focusing on, I got a different impression, at least the parts that I was able to listen to. A lot of this has to do more or less with a lot of the Democrats that almost want to protest this process because they don't like the idea of it being so close to an election. So as opposed to focusing on 
Amy Coney Barrett, they focused on Donald Trump in, in this election, <laughs> which I thought, wow, this is a this is a hearing, and we're we're using this as a way to potentially confirm the next Supreme Court justice, and they're they're not even talking about her. <laughs> it's like, come on. Well, you you this, to some extent, Ryan, you know the reason for that is because realistically. Uh, at least is what we've seen from Mitch McConnell's nose counting abilities, which are profound. Uh, the, he's already got the votes to make this go through. So the Democrats mm-hmm. have very few arrows in their quiver to stop this process. So really, they're looking at this as an opportunity uh, to to use this for political purposes for the upcoming election, as opposed to a real inquiry about whether Amy Coney Barrett is or is not qualified to be on the Supreme Court, because whether you're looking at it from the right or the left, she's clearly uh, qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Perhaps one of the more, I won't say most, but one of the more qualified uh, candidates that have ever been in front of, of the Senate. So that's really not the issue here. The issue is how can we use this to our advantage, whether it's on the right or the left? And we saw a lot of that today. You, there was, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact name, but there's an agency that ranks the uh, the level of confidence they would have that this person is capable of being a Supreme Court justice, and she got the highest rankings. I, I can't remember what that agency is well, called. Uh, well, the American Bar Association does that. Is the American uh, I don't know Bar if Association you're thinking okay. of? She said, "Well qualified." It's the highest ranking, something along those lines. And correct, she, yeah, the ABA what, what, gave her the highest highest rating for qualification because of her background, her education, her academic status, uh, all the things that are ranked. Uh, But she pointed out that she would be the only person, if she's confirmed, she would be the only member of the Supreme Court currently that did not graduate from Yale or Harvard. But since she graduated from Notre Dame, she pointed out that she would have something to teach the other justices about football. (laughs) <laughs> not a bad thing to stand out also I'm, I'm impressed with her time with justice scalia which is a very uh he was a tremendous justice i thought and to be able to say that he she worked with uh justice scalia is also very impressive because it kind of gives you an idea that she she really learned from one of the best yeah she sat at the feet of the master when it comes to the concept of originalism the idea that that justices, their role at the Supreme Court is not to make policy. In fact, she specifically said that in her opening statement, that that a judge's role is not to make policy, and that courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in public life, she said. But their decision, rather their job, their role and their function as Supreme Court justices is to decide legal issues, not make policy. And, you know, part of me says, who could disagree with that? Uh, you know, your, your role is not to make policy. That's what Congress is for. That's what the presidency is for. That's not what the third branch of government is for. And yet we've seen historically uh, that, that many view the Supreme Court as a way to make policy, to institute policy, and that's just not what it was designed to do. When you listen to some of these arguments that were brought up today, and again, not many of them were particularly directed at her. Mostly it was either the process or the president. I'm curious if you think um, maybe some of them that you heard from the Democrats, are there any valid arguments that you've heard that you would say, yeah, I can see that. I, I understand that. Well, the only valid argument that I see is the idea that that the Republicans uh, 
move the goalposts from 2016 to 2020. And I think that's a valid argument uh, in terms of President Obama nominated Merrick Garland. Uh, that that did not come up for a vote, and that allowed President Trump to get an additional nomination to the Supreme Court. I think that's valid from a policy perspective, but it's in but, from a constitutional perspective, mm-hmm. because even Justice Ginsburg, who has now achieved uh, near sainthood status among the left, said in 2016, it's the president's role to nominate, it's the Senate's role to evaluate uh, at the time that the vacancy appears, which is exactly what we're doing this time around. So while it might be a valid argument from a policy perspective, it's an invalid argument from a constitutional and a legal perspective because the president and the Senate, they're following the Constitution right now, and there's really no no legitimate argument against that. Back when uh, this debate was going on before, you remember when Chuck Schumer stood in front of, I don't know if it was the Supreme Court or if it, outside of the building or if it was the Capitol building or whatever, and he did that big rally, and he's like, we're coming for you, Gorsuch, and he's like trying to really mm-hmm. rally people. I don't know if I've heard him yell Amy Coney Barrett's name yet. Has it really gotten to that point yet? Because it's going to be ramping up, and at some point you're going to start to see it get real nasty, I'm sure. Um, And one thing I wanted to read you real quick from Ben Shapiro, and I want to see if you agree with his take on the way the Democrats and the Republicans have been handling this with with the hearings. So it's basically a back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. So the Democrat would say, you must take our ideological litmus test to be on the court. And Republicans would say, you must commit to interpreting the Constitution as written to be on the court. Democrats say, then that will pack the court. Republicans say, that's insane. And Democrats, stop politicizing things so is it really as simple as saying republicans just want someone that could interpret the constitution as written and democrats for the most part just don't like that idea because the way the constitution is written would go against a lot of their more radical ideas as of late yeah i that's a fantastic question ryan and and while it might be a, a bit of an oversimplification i do see it as coming down along those lines uh let me give you a couple of quick examples uh, I remember back when uh, John Paul Stevens was up for the Supreme Court, and the left said that uh, uh, that he would destroy women's rights. Well, he didn't. He and he he in fact expanded uh, beyond in many instances what I think the the Constitution would allow. And the same kind of argument was made against Anthony Kennedy and David Souter, and all three of those justices when they were at the Supreme Court were were nowhere near as drastic or as uh, uh, um, apocalyptic, what the left portrayed, but it really does come down to that simple idea that, that the right really wants justices who will interpret the Constitution, the left wants justices who will interpret the Constitution, but through the lens of modern culture, modern values, and particularly the, the culture of the left, and apply it that way. And so, I, it really, even though it's sim- simplistic, I do think it really comes down to what Ben Shapiro said, and I think that's an accurate, although maybe a bit uh, truncated, but an accurate (laughs) summarization of what folks are looking for at the Supreme Court level. All right, so you got your popcorn ready for more of these hearings. Oh, yeah. uh, You got it all. You're so excited. You have your scorecard. Oh, and I got a scorecard, too. Oh, yeah, I got a scorecard. In fact, fact, I talked to a friend of mine today from law school, and he said that, that he was going to, although I won't be participating, but he says he's going to go to a drinking party. They're going to drink 
speak every time someone's Trump's name. <laughs> and uh, I said, my friend, you're going to be on the floor very quickly. And he goes, yeah, I know. That's the point. So, yeah, there will be uh, there, there will be uh, uh, lots of fun and games through this nomination uh, confirmation process. Yep, you have your Notre Dame foam finger <laughs> and some other things ready to go on the side. Uh, Brad Young from Aristotle Fisher and Young. Hey, thank you so much for giving your impressions on the uh, first day of hearings there. My pleasure. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Supreme Court hearings. If you want to talk about it, you can. We've we had so many great guests to start off the show. I haven't opened things up to you yet. And this, of course, was the big news of the day. And you heard it here on KMOX, even opening statements and some of the different uh, members of the Senate bringing their own perspective to it. So what about your perspective? I'm going to play some of those clips from Congress coming up, too. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Yeah, we had the confirmation hearings earlier today, but all of which has been forgotten because of one also very important event today. <laughs> it was KMOX's very own Ben Boyd's birthday. He turned 40 today. I first was tipped off because of Tom Ackerman on Twitter. I saw that come through my Twitter feed, and he posted a picture of Ben and inside of the stadium there, and there's ice and snow, and it's just absolute. it looks freezing cold in St. Louis, and he's not wearing a hat. He's got his bald head, and I'm guessing all the heat was just flying off of that thing. The picture itself is a great one, and I got to say, Ben Boyd is one of those cool dudes. You know when he walks around the hall, there's like certain people that have that cool swagger to him? <laughs> He's one of them in KMOX, so big happy birthday to him. I guess uh, his mom and dad, I know, love him because they called in and said, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to say something, and of course we would. We're uh, big fans of Ben here, and it's always good to run into him. I don't get to run into him much anymore being remotely working, but whenever I do see him at the radio station, he's always got something smart to say. So <laughs> he's quick on his feet that way. 40 now. Wow. Reaching that milestone, that club. So cool. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. The uh, hearings were today, but you already knew that. You knew the hearings were today. You knew the opening statements would be covered on KMOX. You probably had a chance to listen to these opening statements, and I thought maybe it's a good idea for us to replay some of those moments because Amy Coney Barrett has a pretty good chance of sitting on the Supreme Court. It looks like the support is there. It looks like the process will continue. And I think the only thing that would stop it is if there was some sort of, you know, if the vote doesn't actually happen because of COVID, let's say they push it back or there's some sort of medical emergency that would not allow them. And there's some question about if they would have enough people that would be uh, present to vote. We know that it's going to be just because of the Republicans going through with this duty to put it through. I wanted you to listen to Amy Coney Barrett. There a lot of the, the people that would never vote just because it's a nominee from the Trump administration, none of them that would just go that way. I want you to listen to what they decided not to vote for. I, I want you to hear the words of Amy Coney Barrett, the nominee. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. But courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. Ooh. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches, elected by and accountable to the people. 
The public should not expect courts to do so, and courts should not try. That is the approach that I have strived to follow as a judge on the Seventh Circuit. In every case, I have carefully considered the arguments presented by the parties, discussed the issues with my colleagues on the court, and done my utmost to reach the result required by the law, whatever my own preferences might be. See? Wow, isn't that interesting? You're, you want to hear the argument, and then you want to make a decision of that argument based on if it stands up to the Constitution or not. Wow, what a novel idea. <laughs> and I want to go back to the comments of Ben Shapiro that I read to uh, Brad Young, who joined us right at the start of the hour there. And I think it's important to point out the Republicans, they just want to make the constitutional argument for many things. And I think in the way that they approach many topics when it comes to the court, they want that constitutional person on the bench because that's how they look. They look at the arguments they make. Hey, is this constitutional or not? We can make that we can make that pitch. But what you've seen when there are people that are trying to use the Supreme Court bench to try to further things that might not be necessarily constitutional. They may be, okay, we're going to stick with precedent, not constitution. We're going to stick with, you know, hey, the Constitution was written so many years ago, so this part doesn't apply anymore, as opposed to using the Constitution as the, the, as the uh, I want to say the landmark, as the groundwork for how you come to your decision. You're using modern times as the groundwork of how you come to your decision. That's using it more as a role of an activist as opposed to someone that's constitutionally minded. And we saw that for many years. And really, going back to the idea that the Constitution should be the compass that you use in order to make your decision is something that we should be encouraging right now. But it's only the Republicans that want that. So what does that say? Why do you see such a fight all the time? The, the big fight being, we need to... We need to change and get rid of the Constitution. We don't need the Constitution. The Constitution is just uh, an old document written on an old piece of paper, and that doesn't apply to anything that goes on today. Why do you hear that argument so much? It's because you want to throw away the, the groundwork of our country, and you want it to go towards who is the loudest mob at the moment. That's dangerous. That's sad. That's scary. We really need to make sure we don't go that direction. In fact, you should be rejecting that. But there are a lot of senators that would not reject that and lean towards it. Let me play another clip from Amy Coney Barrett, part of her opening statement today. As a final note, Mr. Chairman, I would like to thank the many Americans from all walks of life who have reached out with messages of support over the course of my nomination. I believe in the power of prayer, and it has been uplifting to hear that so many people are praying for me. I look forward to answering the committee's questions over the coming days. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed, I pledge to faithfully and impartially discharge my duties to the American people as an associate justice of the Supreme Court. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, one more clip from her. The confirmation process and the work of serving on the court, if confirmed, requires sacrifices, particularly from my family. I chose to accept the nomination because I believe deeply in the rule of law and the place of the Supreme Court in our nation. I believe Americans of all backgrounds deserve an independent Supreme Court that interprets our Constitution and laws as they are written. And I believe I can serve my country by playing that role. 
I come before this committee with humility about the responsibility that I have been asked to undertake and with appreciation for those who have come before me. I was nine years old when Sandra Day O'Connor became the first woman to sit in this seat. She was a model of grace and dignity throughout her distinguished tenure on the court. When I was 21 years old and just beginning my career, Ruth Bader Ginsburg sat in this seat. She told the committee, what has become of me could only happen in America. I have been nominated to fill Justice Ginsburg's seat, but no one will ever take her place. I will be forever grateful for the path she marked and the life she led. Mm, only in America. Only in America. Wasn't that the Don King quote? Did she just quote Don King? No. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote there. So 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. We're going to take some of your calls on this. Uh, were you listening? Were you watching? Are you bored by this? Are you anticipating she's in there? Do you hate the idea that they're filling this? There's a lot of uh, people thinking differently on different wavelengths on this one. We'll take some of your thoughts coming up on Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. And Overnight America continues. And this is what I was worried about. I was worried that because of just the overwhelming nature of the news cycle that most people, when there's a confirmation hearing like this, just they're just, just so exhausted by it all that they're just tired of it. They're just, I, you know, I know what I want, and I really, really want it, so don't tell me what I should want, what I really, really want. And because of that, they just, you know, you know that you want Amy Coney Barrett on it. You know that you don't like Trump. You know that this, you know that. Whatever your opinion or view of this is, it's not going to be changed really by the arguments that are being made, mostly by what sound like adult children. <laughs> some of them are all right. So I just happened to catch some of Senator Dick Durbin from today. You know, it's a well-written piece. It's something that is, you can tell that he put a lot of time, or at least his speechwriter put a lot of time into it, try to make an emotional pitch. But then again, it really had more to do with the nature of how we're appointing, or at least looking at, uh, putting someone onto the Supreme Court 
so close to an election. It's it's more or less the feelings of they just don't like the idea that the Republicans were able to keep the power in the Senate, which gave them the power to put someone in this close to the election. And by the very same notion in 2016, they also had the power to keep someone off and they decided to do that as well. So the idea of the uh, the power of the Republicans and using it at this point as if the Democrats, oh, yeah, they always do what's in the best interest of anything. Yeah, right. I mean, that's all they do is they, they try to push around their power in the cases. Sometimes they don't even have it. And then they use that as a way as a negotiation tactic. And it's it's actually it's the way politics work anymore. You know, it, you could be tired of it. You can look at it and say, oh, I'm just this sick of all of this. And why uh, why can't they get along? I don't know if they'll ever be able to. What's is there any indication that they'll ever be able to get along in the future? Is it always going to be a matter of power? How important is it for you to vote if you want to find yourself in a position to, I don't know, nominate another Supreme Court justice in the future or make the process easier to get enough votes? I think anyone listening right now, you probably know I'm pretty conservative, very conservative, in fact, in my political leanings. So I would encourage you, if you're someone that was thinking about not voting this year and you're a conservative, you better get to the poll, all right? You better get your voice out there. Don't take anything for granted and don't give up. Don't give up this ability to have the chance to nominate and get another Supreme Court justice on the bench. This is pretty remarkable to, to imagine three Supreme Court justices in the first term of a presidency. I mean, that exceeds all expectations of what could have happened that early on with Donald Trump. You'd normally think, oh, if you get two, you're lucky. Three, wow, isn't that something? Go vote. Go vote. I'd encourage you to vote Republican. 314-436-7900. I'll play a couple of the clips here from earlier today so you can kind of get an idea of what that sounded like, if you care. Uh, let's go to Mike first, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. How you doing, Brian? Good. Now, about the voting, I, I was telling them, my, I, I, I try to be fair uh, on both sides. That's just my opinion. I can be full of baloney. But they said he said I am fair on both sides. Personally, I have nothing against that lady that Donald Trump wanted, you know, for a judge, whatever. But yeah. this is my first opinion. I still think they should have waited because I'm mm-hmm. not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I vote independent. I vote Democrat. I vote Constitution Party or whatever party if I think they're good. Here's what I think they could have did. Like they had a fair tax. This ain't about tax. But they wanted to be fair to all Americans, like you're conservative, which you're being honest. Why couldn't they just put it on the ballot for November 3rd and let the Americans decide who they want in there? And I don't know all this lady's views. Well, let's do uh, this. I'll just I'll just throw this uh, out there. So why should the Republicans be courteous to the Democrats right now after everything they've done in the past three years? Why why would they offer the courtesy now? Why after because well, there was no courtesy ever given to them? Well, you, you want me to be honest? Now, uh, uh, I'll tell you the truth. If I be honest as, as a minister, I, I get to tell you sometimes. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, Republicans are not courteous. Sometimes they're just as hateful as the Democrats. Not all of them. But some of them, now Donald Trump does some good things, but he does have a smart mouth. And <laughs> yes, he sometimes does. he can be polite. Just being honest, he's smart ally. Yeah. And, and, but he does some good things, and he does and some things I don't agree with. But sometimes I don't think they're courtesy or either party because it depends on what party. I'm not just hung up on a party, but it's a shame you can't be respectful to each other. Like, say, I might not agree with you on some issues, but I don't have to hate you. 
I, I just disagree. If I don't like something you're voting for, go out and vote. Like you say, it's important. Go vote what you believe in. And if you don't vote, then just shut up. But just be fair on both sides. The reason I said put on the ballot, people could go out and vote. Let's say they voted, and you might be surprised. Maybe some of the Democrats may vote for the same lady and like her, and she went anyway, or maybe she lose, because I don't know all her views. But I would say this, uh, regardless of uh, what her views is, except for one thing. When a judge takes the place, uh, whenever they say Patrick or whatever, whoever the judge is, I will tell you this. If they're ever pro-choice, I don't want them in there. Okay, thank you very much. Good to hear from you, Mike. Yeah, and I, I know that's a big thing, and we're seeing one of the most pro-choice tickets, pro-abortion tickets that we've seen between Biden and Kamala Harris. It's it's overwhelming, the difference, the stark difference between the two of them there. But let me just point this out real quick. What have we seen in the last four years? We've seen, hey, we're going to continuously solicit ways to try to find investigations, even if they were brought up under very shady circumstances, as we're finding out. Uh, the way that a lot of these, you know, the Russia gates and think of everything that's been brought up. It's like they want a, a constant unending impeachment over and over and over again. They'll never be able to accept the terms of how the 2016 election was won because they thought they had it in the bag. Imagine you're Donald Trump and constantly everyone on the left over and over and over again want to fish ways and even lie about ways and and fraudulently fill out documents and then go into the, the deep end in order to try to get you out of office. And you're called a racist, you're called a xenophobic, you're called... Uh, sexist. You're called this on a daily basis. Every time you turn on one of the left-leaning news agencies, you're seeing lie after lie. None of the lies are ever corrected. Look at what they did to Kavanaugh during the hearing the first time around. You had people coming out, and rightfully so, later pointing out that they were misrepresented in order to just gang pile on this. And you find that there's, you know, with no evidence or in fact, evidence against and contrary to what some of the people came forward to testify with. It was just all a giant circus in order to try to get someone out that is, you know, looked at as someone that's pro-life or at least uh, constitutional in their leanings when it comes to their decisions in the past. They did everything they could. They threw the book at it, and they still lost. So you're telling me after four years, all of a sudden the Republicans are supposed to play nice with what was thrown at them? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. There is no courtesy that we have seen from the leadership of the left over the last four years. So what's the point of extending courtesy back and say, oh, yeah, we'll wait until after the election and then we'll let the... No, it's. I think that's out the window. Let's go to Ken, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, Ryan, uh, thanks for taking the call. Um, mm-hmm. You've said before you lean right. I, I think you're a little more than lean right. <laughs> I'm, I'm very far. Yeah, there's. I would yeah. say if there's a if there's a percentage of how right I am compared to the left, it's probably ninety nine to one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say so. And you know, to kind of talking what you were just saying just a minute ago, do you know how many hearings there were on Benghazi? A lot. No, actually, when yeah. it came to like uh, Hillary Clinton, they the, yeah. not only did they investigate that, but let's go back. And do you think all the information was given to Congress? We're just now getting the emails released. I mean, th- it was the whole idea was the discovery and the idea of what was available to them at the time wasn't enough. And now that we you're, do you're have more than enough information. You're making it sound like that the Republicans did not play dirty and there were nine hearings on Benghazi. It's, if you can't get it done in nine hearings, then forget about it. 
But at any rate, that's not the reason. Wait, do you think everything was available that should have been made available to them? Probably not. No, how ridiculous is it that they purposely deleted in, what do they call it, bleach, bleach, uh, bleaching, bit bleaching, all of their information? They They purposely destroyed physical evidence, all these things that should have been turned around. All of these things were going on. The things that could have been used against them in that investigation, it's no wonder why they, every time there was something new that they got, they would want to bring it back up. Ryan, c- calm down a little bit. You're getting, you're really getting uh, excited here. I, I guess uh, I don't know if you're mad at me or. No, but, I'm uh, just saying it's like you go back to the Hillary Clinton thing, and you're, yeah, you act well, like that was the same thing. It's not even close to the same thing. At least yeah, the Republicans yeah. didn't have to make up information to try to investigate. Well, anyway, the reason I called um, Lindsey Graham said a very great thing today. Uh, he said, "No matter what," ha- and I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, no matter what's said in the next two or three days, uh, no matter what Miss Barrett says the next two or three days, all the Democrats are going to vote nay, all the Republicans are going to vote yay. So you said, you know, has when people call in tonight, have we listened to it? I would not waste my time listening to that. And by the way, I think a lot of her, uh, Anderson Cooper said she is one of the most credible uh, in, uh, in has so much integrity I, I, I so uh, you know I I don't agree with her I you know I'm I'm more uh, pro-choice I'm anti-gun and uh, Hawley really upset me today he and then I'm going to let you go because I know you got other callers Hawley this he got this finger pointing don't bring up the fact that she's too Catholic and and not one Democrat had even brought it up. Hmm. So I, oh, no, I know, take he, that. He no. was looking for an answer to something. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I was going to say, Josh Hawley actually gave some evidence of Democrats bringing it up as part of his testimony. Did you hear that? I did not. I, in okay. fact, uh, some, I heard somebody say that the Democrats hadn't brought it up at all. And I don't think it should be brought up. I'm, so mm-hmm. she's and I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, seven of the of the justices will, will be Catholic. Yeah, so what? So what? Yeah. Okay. Very much. Thank you very much for your call, Ken. Yeah, with the whole Hillary Clinton thing, imagine if the Republicans inside of the government, like, because what we know is that internal investigations were going on under false pretenses in order to just further this even. We we know that the the groundwork for the investigation into Donald Trump was, I mean, lousy to say at the least, incredible. And now we know that Joe Biden and uh, Barack Obama were involved in order to put this further down the line. Now, they continued and investigated and investigated and investigated, but they used their uh, power and they abused their power in office in order to do so to not only spy, but try to punish their political opponent. Now, if we go back to Hillary Clinton, they were criticizing Hillary Clinton for her not only response with Benghazi, but they were just using the information that was available to them, which was not disclosed, which was, in fact, purposely destroyed. And you wonder why every time there was something else that they were able to get their hands on would spur another look into this thing, because they weren't making things up for Hillary Clinton. They were looking into what was becoming available. You want to talk about investigations between the two and you want to talk about one that was done right one that was done wrong i'm just hoping that more that we learn about this whole hillary clinton scandal and 
uh, at least we could find out hopefully some of these emails that will be released. There was some indication that they finally got a hold of these 33-some thousand emails that were purposely deleted uh, out of existence that are out there. That's a pretty big bombshell. And, and don't get me wrong, um, I think a lot of people will be looking at with a critical eye, knowing that she has no history left in politics. Maybe they won't, but at the time, I got to say, uh, there's no comparison between what they did to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. No comparison whatsoever. We'll take some more of your calls coming up on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Overnight America continues, and I do have some clips from Josh Hawley that I feel like we can play maybe a little bit later because we do have some other calls on the line. So our last caller, um, there's a good example that Josh Hawley brought up when it gets to the point of faith. So I think a lot of different Republicans already telegraphed if you try to go after her based on her faith, um, we're not standing for that. And what Josh Hawley did was I thought was a pretty good example of it in at least a subtle way to show just these uh, aggressions towards faith that you see when a Supreme Court justice goes up there because you would uh, take that their their view on Roe v. Wade would vote them a certain way before they even heard it. Now, yeah, I mean, you could probably have a pretty safe assumption on something like that, but it doesn't really speak to the qualifications of the judge. More or less, it just means that you don't like the way they lean or at least the way they could lean. So maybe I'll play that Josh Hawley clip. I don't know if we'll have time before. We might do that after the top of the hour because I want to get these calls in. Uh, Tyson is calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, Ryan. Long time no talk to. How you been? All right. Doing all right. Good deal. You know, the problem with partisans like yourself is that you only see things one way. So there's really no truth or common sense applied because everything you see is slanted towards the right. You're talking no, about I wouldn't say that. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to stop you. No, no, no. I'm going to stop right there. Okay. I would say I, I look okay. at things both ways. I, I just come to a conclusion a lot of times to the right. But I, I look at things both ways. There's no reason to say I don't. Oh, you well, the- you're talking about the discourtesy against Trump for the last four years. Were you talking about the discourtesy towards Obama for the last for his eight years? I mean, they weren't courteous to Obama, right? Not always. I think they hit Obama on policy because they don't like the way that he governed and the way that he tried to accomplish those things. You think it's the same? You th- you think the the same type of things are brought up with Donald Trump? It's not even not even comparable. I, I think more than eight years of a talk about a birth certificate. So yes, I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would trade birth certificate. No, no, I'd take I would trade birth certificate talk any day compared to the nastiest things I've heard brought up against people uh, that, that they say about Donald Trump. It's it's not even you, you think that is you think birth certificates nasty. I don't know if you listen to the things they say about Donald Trump. It's pretty bad. Well, all right, We're going to go to the next caller. But thank you very much, Tyson. And th- this is part of the thing. I listen to all different sides. I love to hear the opinions of different sides. So if, if you don't think I do, eh, I don't know, maybe you don't listen to the program enough. Uh, let's go to Donald, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah. Hi there, Ryan. I uh, I think uh, I'm really starting to enjoy your show more and more every time I listen to it. Okay, um, great. This is a really good opportunity to say, thank God we have an, a Constitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about time we pay more attention to how beautiful the document was and how smart the writers were, because 
not just the Republicans have to adhere to it. The Democrats have to adhere to it, too. And we get pretty caught up with our emotions and we look at individuals and we find stuff we don't like about any, you know, anybody, whether they're black, white, red, yellow, uh, a narcissist or, um, you know, somebody who is, you know, not not real talkative. But I, uh, I have to share something with you, because when, when people have an audience, they're mm-hmm. not as genuine as they are when they're talking to one other person. Sure. Um, I'm an Uber driver in my spare mm-hmm. time, and mm-hmm. I get to have amazing conversations. I listen. I'm like a sponge. But when somebody starts to say things that I disagree with, I'm very respectful Oh. On sharing my opinion, just oh, kind of like you know, what you were just saying about the guys that yeah. you're so partisan. You know, you know everybody just, is is biased. Oh I'm yeah, sorry. you go. Yeah, ahead. no, I get this, but real quick, Donald, I don't know how much time you got. Do you want to wait till after the break? I'd love to hear some of the conversations to. you have in your Uber. Oh my gosh, I'd love to. And I'd love to tell you more about what it's. Yes. Like okay, we have to go to a break. So hold on. If you hold on, I'll bring you up right after the news. This is Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 